Welcome to Kelly Dry's Full Spectrum Podcast, bringing together thought leaders in the technology, media, and telecommunications industries to discuss legal issues that are expected to impact today's organizations and tomorrow's marketplace. Kelly Dry Full Spectrum is produced twice monthly, and show notes are available at www.kellydryfullspectrum.com. For more in-depth commentary, head to our blog, comlawmonitor.com. All links are in the show notes. This podcast is produced by the Kelly Dry Communications Practice Group. Hello, and welcome to Kelly Dry's Full Spectrum Podcast. I'm Jenny Wainwright, an associate in Kelly Dry's Communications Practice Group. I'm joined today by two other associates from our group, Avani Bell and Ross Slutsky. The topic of today's discussion is the FCC's recent order that imposes comprehensive privacy and data security regulations for providers of broadband internet access service, or BIAS for short, as well as voice and other telecommunications service providers. The new rules represent a significant departure from the Commission's existing privacy and data security framework. As a result, service providers may need to make considerable changes to their internal privacy and data security practices, marketing operations, and business plans. The new rules will become effective on a staggered timeline over the next year or so. Kelly Dry has prepared a detailed client advisory about the order, which can be located by following the link in the podcast description. Today, we want to focus on some of the key rules and important takeaways from the order. By way of background, the broadband privacy order stems from the FCC's decision in 2015 to reclassify broadband as a telecommunications service. That decision meant that providers of broadband service would be subject to regulation by the FCC under Title II of the Communications Act, including the statute's privacy provision, Section 222. The broadband privacy order adopts rules based on public input the Commission received earlier this year, including from staff of the Federal Trade Commission, the agency that previously had jurisdiction over broadband privacy issues before the Open Internet Order. The new privacy rules, according to the FCC, seek to harmonize the requirements for all providers of telecommunications services. The rules aim to protect what the FCC refers to as customer proprietary information, or customer PI for short, an umbrella term that includes nearly all information acquired in connection with the provision of telecommunications service. Avani, can you give us some more detail about what the FCC considers to be customer PI? Sure, Jenny. The FCC identifies three specific types of information that constitute customer PI. First, the rules address individually identifiable customer proprietary network information, or CPNI, which at a high level is information that is made available to the service provider solely by the virtue of the service provider-customer relationship. CPNI generally includes the quantity, technical configuration, type, destination, location, and amount of use of a telecommunications service. For voice providers, CPNI also includes information contained in subscriber bills. The types of information considered CPNI in the bias context include, but are not limited to, broadband service plans, geolocation information, MAC addresses and other device identifiers, IP addresses and domain name information, traffic statistics and customer premises equipment and device information. This last type, the customer premises equipment, is particularly interesting and might have broader implications because the order notes that consumer devices capable of being connected to broadband service, like a tablet or smartphone, will be considered customer premises equipment in this context. 
This last type may have broader implications because the order notes that consumer devices capable of being connected to broadband service, like a tablet or smartphone, is considered customer premises equipment in this context. The second type of customer PI that the order looks at is personally identifiable information, or PII, which is any information that is linked or reasonably linkable to an individual or device. Examples of PII include, but are not limited to, an individual's name, social security number, date of birth, a mother's maiden name, physical address, email address, phone numbers, MAC or IP addresses, and persistent online or unique advertising identifiers. The third type of customer PI that is addressed in the order are the content of communications, meaning any part of a communication that is highly suggestive of the substance, purpose, or meaning of a communication. Examples of content for the bias provider are email contents, social media communications, search terms, website comments, shopping cart items, input on web-based forms, consumer documents, photos, videos, books read, and even movies watched. The FCC implied that certain forms of metadata may qualify as biased content, but did not draw a clear line. We should also note that the Commission defines customers as current and former subscribers, as well as applicants for telecommunications service. Thus, a service provider's duty to protect a customer's information will extend beyond the period of the contractual relationship. The Commission notes that a service provider can limit the scope of this duty by minimizing data collection and destroying applicant and former customer information as soon as practicable, consistent with any other legal requirements. Good point, Ross. I'll also point out that the rules permit use and sharing of de-identified information without obtaining customer consent, provided the information satisfies certain conditions. The Commission will analyze de-identification practices on a case-by-case basis. Now let's look at the elements of the transparency-based notice requirements. The order requires telecommunications carriers to provide customers clear notice about the type of information they collect just by providing their service and how and for what purposes that information can be shared or used. This includes the type of entities it will be shared with and the ways each type of entity will use that information. Service providers must also notify customers about their right to opt in or out of the sharing of their proprietary information. The privacy notice must be provided to customers at the point of sale and made persistently available and accessible on a service provider's website, app, and any functional equivalent. What happens if a service provider wants to change its privacy policy? Good question. The FCC requires notification to a customer if there is a material change. This is defined as a change that a reasonable customer would find important to his or her privacy decisions. And the change notice has to be provided in a form of active communication agreed to by the customer, such as email. With this approach, the FCC eliminates the previous notice requirements for voice CPNI. I'll also jump in here and add that the FCC has tasked its Consumer Advisory Committee with creating a standardized privacy notice that will serve as a safe harbor for those providers that choose to adopt it. That's right, Jenny. And the proposed notice standard is expected to be available by June of next year, so people should look out for that. Now moving on to the topic of consent. The FCC adopts a three-tiered sensitivity-based framework around the collection, use, and sharing of customer PI. 
The new framework requires opt-in consent for using and sharing of sensitive customer PI, which includes categories of information, some that people might expect and some that some people might find surprising. A few examples of the categories of information that are covered are precise geolocation information, health information, contents of communications, and web browsing and app usage histories and their functional equivalents. Service providers only need opt-out consent for the using and sharing of non-sensitive customer PI. This means that a service provider obtains customer consent based on the customer's failure to object to the request to allow usage after a period of time that would give a reasonable customer the opportunity to view the opt-out solicitation. There are also a few exceptions where no customer approval is required. Ross, do you want to talk about some of those? Sure. The order allows use and sharing of non-sensitive customer PI without consent for services that are a part of or necessary for the provision of telecommunications. For example, a service provider would be allowed to use non-sensitive customer PI without consent to market and provide a service like caller ID or call forwarding that is normally bundled with a customer's telecommunications service. Thanks. And I would also note that the form of notice about consent options should generally be clear and done in a way that is consistent with some of the broader notice requirements. The order is somewhat flexible about the process by which customers make their consent choices, and it only requires that the process be simple, easy to use, and not misleading, and it must be available on the service provider's website or an app. Both the consent and notice rules will take effect 12 months after the publication of the order in the Federal Register or upon approval of the rules by the Office of Management and Budget, whichever is later. Now let's move on to data security standards. The Broadband Privacy Order requires voice and internet providers to adopt reasonable data security practices 90 days after publication of a summary of the order in the Federal Register. In assessing whether their security practices are reasonable, Service providers must account for the nature and scope of their activities, the sensitivity of collected data, their size as businesses, and technical feasibility. These factors are assessed holistically. In this order, the FCC abandoned a prior proposal to mandate specific minimum security standards in favor of a general reasonableness standard and recommended certain practices that it considered exemplary. Those practices include Adopting the NIST cybersecurity framework, developing a written data security program, hiring chief privacy and data security officers, and bolstering customer authentication. Under the order, service providers also must notify affected customers and certain agencies of data breaches, including breaches of encrypted data, unless they reasonably determine no harm to customers is likely to occur. Under the order, Service providers also must notify affected customers and certain agencies of data breaches, including breaches of encrypted data, unless they reasonably determine no harm to consumers is likely to occur. The breach notification that Ross was just talking about, that requirement goes into effect either six months after publication of a summary of the order in the Federal Register or upon approval of the rules by the Office of Management and Budget, whichever is later. For breaches affecting 5,000 or more customers, service providers must notify the FCC, FBI, and Secret Service within seven business days from the date of reasonable breach determination and at least three days before notifying customers. For breaches affecting less than 5,000 customers, service providers must notify the FCC 
within 30 calendar days from the date of reasonable breach determination. Service providers must notify affected customers of reportable breaches within 30 calendar days following the service provider's reasonable breach determination unless the FBI or Secret Service requests delay. Breach notifications must tell customers the time of breach, the nature of their breach data, how to learn more from the service provider, and how to contact the FCC and relevant state agencies. If there is a risk of financial harm, the service provider must also provide information on credit reporting agencies, ways to prevent identity theft, and any credit-related or other remedies the service provider is offering. Providers must keep records of determined breach dates, customer notification dates, and written copies of all customer notifications for two years from the determined breach date. With respect to the data security standards, the order leaves the FCC's Enforcement Bureau significant discretion over those actions. Unlike the legacy voice CPNI rules, which mandated specific practices, the new rules simply mandate reasonable data security practices. That's right. This leaves significant room for the Enforcement Bureau to interpret whether practices are reasonable, so providers should carefully review the FCC's exemplary data security practices and consent decrees to gauge which practices the Commission really expects. In addition to the notice, consent, and data security requirements that the order adopts, the order also addresses a number of issues tangentially related to its new notice, consent, and privacy and data security requirements. So let's first talk about take-it-or-leave-it offers and financial incentive programs. The order imposes an outright ban on so-called take-it-or-leave-it offers, which essentially condition the provision of broadband service on a customer surrendering his or her privacy rights. The Commission determined that these types of offers contravene a number of consumer protection provisions in the Communications Act and therefore are unlawful. Financial incentive programs, as the name suggests, aim to incentivize customers to accept reduced privacy protections in exchange for lower price service. Unlike take-it-or-leave-it offers, the FCC determined that these programs can be valuable for both businesses and consumers. But in order to prevent bias providers from engaging in coercive or predatory practices in connection with such programs, the order adopts heightened disclosure and affirmative consent requirements. Another issue that the order addresses without specifically adopting or revising any rules is the practice of requiring customers to arbitrate disputes with the service provider. The FCC notes that it has serious concerns about the inclusion of mandatory arbitration clauses in contracts for communication services, and that it intends to address it in a separate proceeding next year. The order also broadens an existing exemption from the FCC's Section 222 rules for enterprise voice customers. Service providers that contract for telecom other than bias with an enterprise customer do not have to comply with the rules if the contract addresses transparency, choice, and data security, and it provides a way for the customer to discuss privacy and data security concerns with the service provider. It's worth noting that in order to satisfy the requirements for this exemption, the contract does not need to be a fully negotiated agreement. Rather, it can take the shape of a standard contract or order form. Next, the order turns to the issue of preemption. The order acknowledges that states have an important role to play in consumer privacy issues and therefore only preempts state privacy, data security, and breach laws to the extent they are inconsistent with FCC rules. Providers can petition the FCC if they don't believe they can simultaneously comply with FCC rules and state laws. Such conflicts will be assessed on a case-by-case -case basis. To prevent notice fatigue, 
providers stuck sending multiple state and federal notices can present the FCC with a proposed waiver in order to send a single notice that provides customers adequate breach notification. So what does this all mean? To wrap up today's discussion, we're each going to highlight one key takeaway from the broadband privacy order. Avani, why don't you start us off? Okay. Um, I think it's important to note that all service providers must prepare and maintain public-facing privacy notices. The Commission's new notice rules will require all telecommunications carriers to draft and post public-facing privacy policies that describe their collection, use, and sharing of customer PI. Formerly, this obligation only applied to bias providers through the Commission's transparency rule. We expect that disclosures in these privacy policies will be a significant area of enforcement, similar to the Commission's enforcement of annual CPNI certifications. Thanks, Avani. Ross, how about you? I was struck by the fact that the new sensitivity-based consent framework essentially appends the existing CPNI approval framework. The Commission's adopted rules fundamentally reshape the consent framework for telecommunications carriers, focusing on the sensitivity of the information rather than on the particular uses and recipients of the information, as the voice CPNI rules did. As a result, all service providers should carefully review and revise their policies, procedures, and systems for obtaining and tracking customer approval. That's a good observation. And for me, I'll just note that now is the time to begin reviewing contracts with vendors. In the order, the Commission makes clear that service providers will be held responsible for the acts of their agents, vendors, and other third parties with whom they share customer PI. As a result, service providers should take the opportunity now to review contracts with those third parties to determine whether they include specific terms addressing privacy and security. But all that said, the most interesting developments with respect to broadband privacy issues are likely yet to come. There are a lot of things we don't know yet about President-elect Donald Trump's telecommunication policies. But what we do know is that the reclassification of broadband as a telecommunication service was and still is opposed by Republican commissioners Ajit Pai and Michael O'Reilly. The decision was not well liked by Republican members of Congress either. So we could see an effort to reverse the reclassification of broadband under a Republican-controlled FCC, which would in turn render the new broadband privacy rules moot. Stay tuned for any new developments on this issue. I think that wraps up our discussion for today. So until next time, thank you for listening. The views and ideas expressed on this program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views or ideas held by Kelly Dry and Warren LLP, its staff, or management.